0: President Kennedy was shot during today's motorcade, but is in good condition with what the doctors are calling a superficial flesh wound to his right shoulder. The president regrets that the kickoff to our 64 campaign has been marred, but vows to continue our quest for re-election next fall.
1: To another episode of classic gaming brothers i'm zach
0: and i'm seth
1: and we're the classic gaming brothers
0: that's right we are the classic gaming brothers
1: that's right we are
0: josh is back in the glove box
1: Oh, good. We shoved him back in.
0: Hopefully, he won't escape again. That's
1: what happens when you. Uh, we gave him a library card as he used it to sneak out the first time.
0: That's right. <laughs> we we always have to pretend that uh, it's acceptable to talk to, him, but then we shove him right back in. <laughs> Is he a very small man?
1: Nah, we just have a really big glove box.
0: <laughs> That's the question that I think our listeners are wondering. I'm picturing like,
1: like a leprechaun.
0: Well, I was gonna say like uh, Tom Thumb, but. Uh...
1: Oh, okay. I was picturing, like, a leprechaun, but from the luck of the Irish movie, who are just, they're very tiny people. Tom Thumb was a real person. Stretch and Yeah, I know who Tom Thumb was. General Tom Thumb.
0: P.T. Barnum was kind of a scumbag. (laughs) But Josh isn't. Thanks, Josh.
1: Yeah, this is a very long way of saying thank you, Josh, for being on our show, for giving your insight into the James Bond video games, and for being cool. Thanks for coming on.
0: And uh, feel free to check out Josh's stuff in uh, the previous episodes, show notes.
1: Well, let's get into today's episode. So you go first for your recently played. What, Seth, what have you been recently playing?
0: Uh, so recently I've been playing Starfield, which is the oh. uh, the new Bethesda Game Studios game. It's the first new universe that Bethesda has put out in over 25 years. It's from the studio that brought you Elder Scrolls Five, Skyrim, and Fallout 4, and various other titles. But in this next generation of role-playing game set among the stars, You can create any character you want and just explore in just freedom on an epic journey to answer humanity's greatest mystery. So I'm playing a character named Big Norm, mostly because I was making this character arbitrarily. I really just wanted to check out like the first 30 minutes of the game. I really didn't want to like really crack into it. And so I made a character and I was like, this guy's fine. And then I was like, what should his name be? And I was like, I'm just going to call him Big Norm because it's not like anyone's going to say his name because it's a Bethesda game and that doesn't happen. Lo and behold... People do say your name.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are certain names that your your ship and some other characters will say.
0: But I like that the game assumes that Big is his first name, which it could be. I, I guess I never made that distinction. Yeah. So either his name is Norm and he's just Big, or his first name is Big and his last name is Norm. Regardless, Big Norm is a, a man in debt. He has a fan club and he's an extrovert. So he's kind of like Han Solo. <laughs> Yeah. And he has the space adventurer background, which makes him even more like Han Solo. The only thing that so far hasn't hit me right away right now is the game I feel like so far is a little dry from the first 30 minutes. So arguably I have not played the game that long, but from the intro movie, the game kind of, A, I don't feel like the people are expressive enough. I just don't feel like they have a lot of soul to them. In the very beginning, you find an artifact, and the way you get your ship is this guy comes, and he says, oh, we need to bring this artifact to this organization, but I brought a bunch of pirates, so I can't go. I have to stay, but you should take my ship. And then you're like, so it's my ship? And he's like, yeah. I was like, I don't get this world. This guy I've known for approximately five seconds, and he's already like, well, you could just take this gigantic ship and write robot with you. I'm like, that's a lot to get in just right in the beginning. I've been told you have to get 60 hours in for the game to start making sense. So I'm not there yet. The beginning's just a little rough. It's not like Skyrim, which you wake up sleeping on a car, go to get executed, and then a dragon shows up. I was waiting for the dragon moment. I guess the pirates showing up where they're shooting at you is, is fine. But uh, yeah, so that's... I wonder if you can turn the ship that shows up into uh, Thomas the Tank <laughs> Uh,
1: People, I think, have already done that without mods, so...
0: Oh, i'm sure yeah so it's uh it's starfield it's done by bethesda it brings all the positives and negatives that games done by bethesda bring Uh, i do like that they apparently decided that the dialogue wheel that they did in fallout 4 was dumb and they made it a (laughs) little it was very dumb do you know the thing that bothers me the most about that dialogue wheel you can fix it with a mod but when you mod it you no longer allowed to get achievements
1: that's stupid.
0: So literally, if I want to install a quality of life mod that allows me to see the words that your character will say, which is what I want to see in an RPG game, it'll lock me out from ever earning achievements because I've modded the game.
1: Freaking Bethesda.
0: I would have to install another mod to just be able to get mods only to be able to see the dialogue. So fortunately, they fixed that in Starfield and you can just see what your character is going to say. Yeah. And you don't hear your character talk. To be fair, you don't hear your character talk so your character could be saying something entirely different just like fall four
1: yeah and also I don't really need to hear my character talk I don't care what they sound like
0: I did not have a bad time playing it but I did play it for a little while and then probably about 30 minutes and then I was like I don't need to continue playing it <laughs> so I saved off the game for that moment not that I'm sh- I'm gonna continue playing the game it's yeah it's very good but is it Baldur's gate 3 no so that. Uh, What have you been recently been playing?
1: Well, Seth, recently I have been playing a game that really could have used a silent protagonist, and that game was Atomic Heart, released in 2023 and developed by Mundfish. It is a very interesting game beyond the ton of controversy that surrounded it regarding its release. For those who don't know, Muntfish is a company that is located in Russia and released the game on the anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So uh, some people thought that was kind of in bad taste, considering the game is primarily about the soviet union and kind of portrays the soviet union in a more of a nicer light overall though the game is in my opinion just okay and i think i don't know so in the game you play as p3 um whose real name is major sergey nachaev who is a veteran of world war ii that was badly injured and saved by a scientist who is now the current leader of the communist party dmitry sechnov uh Sechinov develops a unique type of matter called polymer which leads to the rapid expansion and development of scientific technology in the soviet union and the development of robots the soviet union thanks to the scientific advancement is now a major superpower and idyllic utopia and you are tasked as p3 to visit the test site of a new neuro connector called collective 2.0 H- however upon arrival you learn that the entire facility is under lockdown as robots have begun killing the human scientists and residents of the facility you learn that there is more than meets the eye as you continue to travel through the facility and you kind of get an idea that the idyllic utopia that you live in might not be as idyllic as it seems
0: so kind of like um soviet russia (laughs)
1: yeah it plays kind of in a similar manner to what i would call the shock style games like bioshock or even prey you balance out abilities with weapon usage uh your abilities are that you have this polymer glove that can like shoot lightning or other things at people the glove also talks and is kind of obnoxious and you also get an abundance of weaponry such as um kalashnikovs and pistols and uh like rifles and stuff there is a ton of lore that can be discovered through like tapes and stuff that you find none of it was very interesting to me so i didn't really seek any of it out and overall i found the gameplay to be very repetitive the dialogue to be boring and unfunny (laughs) one thing of note the voice actor for p3 is the same voice actor as the male voice of v in cyberpunk and it was very distracting for me the whole time i was playing the game because i played as male v when i played cyberpunk and i was like this guy sounds so familiar and then like the first time nachayev swears like he's like oh Uh, i was like oh it's v i was like that's totally v and i looked it up and it was you know how you could solve that I was told you should play Atomic Heart in Russian. Probably playing it in Russian would have been better because also the English voice actors vary in their pronunciation of Russian words. So sometimes they'll pronounce it very accurately sounding, at least to my ear. And other times it definitely sounds like an American saying a Russian word. Like, I'm pretty sure at one point someone calls you Sergey when your name is Sergei. <laughs> They're like, ah, Sergei Dachev. <laughs> it's like, you're literally in Russia. Like they could have done a little better. Another thing I wasn't a big fan of was the fact that there's all these jokes within the game about flaws of video game logic right like solving puzzles to unlock a door where Chayev is like oh why do I have to solve all these puzzles to unlock these doors these are this is kind of stupid but you still have to solve the puzzles so they're making a point by telling you that the puzzles are stupid but you still gotta do it and you gotta do the same puzzles all the time And so it was like it'd be really funny if they like subverted this and that like the first time he brings up that it's annoying to do a puzzle there was like an automatic unlocking mechanic maybe it costs you something but nope you have to solve every puzzle that is there and your character will constantly bring up how annoying it is to solve puzzles to unlock doors so i thought that was really obnoxious i'm not a big fan of when games try to be clever like that like i don't mind humor in games but when a game tries to be clever by being like hey isn't this thing in video games really annoying but then it still does the thing that's really obnoxious to me like that's stupid the game has uh two endings that you can play through and both of them were really really like lackluster uh the good ending which is the ending i played through the twist at the end wasn't that twisty and then i don't know it just wasn't that good and then the other ending is literally your character just doesn't do anything and goes home (laughs) those are the two endings overall i don't recommend atomic heart uh maybe if you do like the shock games maybe play at least through a bit of it but i played through all of it i just was not a fan of it that is uh A game I recently played.
0: (laughs) I just the commitment to play through all of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just I got into this point and like I was in a rhythm where I was like, I gotta be done with this game soon. And then I was. (laughs) So Well, today we're going to get into a topic that we've alluded to before, and that is presidential games. Well, do you know why? Yeah, well, Seth, I was just about to ask you, why the heck are we talking about presidential games for episode 200?
0: First of all, it's episode 200. What a great... Do you know what we talked about for episode 100?
1: No, I don't remember.
0: Neither did I, that's why I asked
1: you. Um, Let me find out episode 100 was the halloween spooktacular was episode 100 yeah we talked about uh resident evil the original resident evil
0: so we did we did a big halloween spectacular. and so with episode 200 coming up or being here uh, i thought we could talk about something else and that thing that i wanted to talk about was presidential video games part of the reason why i wanted to do an episode and zach agreed to do an episode on presidential video games is because i stumbled upon a video game called reelect jfk where you play as jfk voiced entirely throughout the game by an impersonator of jfk which is just wild and so I played the game for a little while and in the game and we'll get into this a little bit more when we talk about reelect JFK but in the game of reelect JFK you can prank call random people as the president of the United States and I feel like any game like that you gotta research it and really put an episode together about it and so we decided to get dedicate episode 200 to presidential video games so for all those new fans that came over from listening to still loading what an episode to be greeted to as one of your first first takes into let me check out this classic gaming brother podcast oh my this is weird and you can immediately unsubscribe but i don't want you to i want you to listen to enjoy it or find another episode somewhere else in our catalog that me about a topic that you might actually like
1: don't worry if you looked at the title of this episode and you said i don't think this is for me trust us There are other episodes that probably aren't for you, (laughs) too.
0: Now, Reelect JFK was developed by a company called Viking Entertainment and was the only game they developed. And it was published by Quadra Interactive. Quadra Interactive was also an early publisher of the journeyman project and by that i mean to say they published one of the early editions of the journeyman project that had a bunch of bugs and then when they released turbo quandra interactive was gone Um, and they got, Turbo was published by Sanctuary Woods. So, this Viking Entertainment developer made one game. Quandra Directive really published one game. (laughs) And here it is. Them coming together to make a game about JFK. Now, we're going to talk about uh, Reelect JFK. It's a wild game and we'll definitely talk about it, but it's going to be, uh, we're going to go through some other games that kind of built up to JFK, and we'll try to keep them somewhat in chronological order. However, JFK will be last. So Zach, why don't you talk about our arbitrary first game?
1: Yes, our arbitrary first game is President Elect. It's the first presidential game that we'll talk about, though probably wasn't the first presidential game ever. Who knows?
0: We should. No.
1: It was released back in 1981 on the Apple II and again in 1984 on the Commodore 64. It was developed and published by SSI, which is the same company that would eventually go on to develop and publish all the D games. We dedicated an entire episode to SSI back in the dark ages of classic gaming brothers history, episode 28. So if you want to learn more about strategic simulation incorporation, Operated. head on back into the archives and listen to that episode
0: it's great it's a great episode <laughs> and they're a great company
1: ssi is a fantastic company in the game of president elect you play as a campaign manager for the campaign of presidential candidates from the 1960s all the way up to 1984 which based on the release of the apple II version would be prior to the election of 1984 the game also allowed you to create your own custom candidate through an rpg style character creation have them go against the actual candidates and having the outcome occur based on the various views and ideologies your custom candidate had. The game was text-based, with graphics being brought in to represent the election map. Through these text-based options, you would run the campaign from Labor Day all the way to Election Day, so September to November for our non-American listeners. These choices you would encounter would involve how you spend the campaign's money if you agree to attend debates, and how you raise more money and spread awareness to the campaign. Now, there were some great advertisement campaigns for the SSI suite of Commodore 64 games and with specific call-out to President-Elect. It, their advertising campaign was, President-Elect is perfect for all armchair politicians, especially in this election year, implying the 1984 Reagan versus Mondale election. Which,
0: which I think Reagan might, might have won by just a sliver. Anyone who's not aware of the 1984 Reagan versus Bondale, Reagan took every single state's electoral vote except for Minnesota or Michigan.
1: Sure is Minnesota. Oh, I'm sorry, he lost one more vote, DC. So the ad goes on to say, you can campaign for the presidency in a grueling nine-week race using historical or imaginary candidates. And every major electoral parameter has been duplicated to make this educational game the most realistic model of the campaign process ever made. Exclamation point. And it retailed for $39.95 or about... $118 $118 in today's money. <laughs> President elect will go on to get some positive feedback from the reviewers during the time with a review from Soft Talk in 1981, which went over at length about how it was a good game and that SSI is great at putting together high quality games. Computer Gaming World in the same year talked about how the game is probably not super accurate, but it is a game and the game is still a fun simulation. Accuracy be damned. We'll jump ahead of the timeline to now talk about president-elect the 1988 edition as SSI went back and updated the game for the 1988 election and re-released it. This time they released it for DOS, Commodore 64, Apple II, and the Atari ST and released it in 1987. The game is more of the same of president-elect however it is updated so that it includes campaign data for the upcoming 1988 election Bush versus Dukakis. The game also allowed you to play multiplayer with either a player or a computer playing the role of each of the party's candidates Uh, so democrat republican or third party you can also have the computer play all three if you want to just watch the world unfold as it does you can play through election night where the votes can come in instantaneously it takes about 15 seconds or if you want you can have them come in in real time so it would take about two to six hours hey and if we're going by some more recent years a few days maybe <laughs>
0: imagine running uh president-elect 2020 edition and, and and having to keep your computer running for yeah. days on end
1: seven historical scenarios from 1960 to 1988 or unlimited hypothetical ahistorical or completely made up scenarios so you can really do a lot with this game the manual contained text summaries electoral voting data and maps of the presidential elections from 1960 to 1984 as well as information for the upcoming 1988 election this game's super informative and 90s,
0: it actually scored on a list of 150 games, 132 as one of the best. It was a strategic niche game that SSI arguably did well at making.
1: That was their bread and butter was making these simulation games up until they did D&D stuff.
0: Yes, which they were doing right around the time of the 1988 edition. That's when they started going into making gold box games. Now, let's go back to 1984 back in Cambridge, Massachusetts. A company called Spinnaker Software Corporation developed and published a game called President's Choice. Now, President's Choice was a simulation education game where you play as the President of the United States of America. The game would go on to be released as um, a piece AC booter game. So this game had its own operating system. You put the disc in your computer and you turn it on and it booted into this game. So it's actually kind of tough to play today. I'd imagine so. You could in fact play President-Elect win and then play President's Choice back to back and pretend that you won the election and now your president as president's choice starts with your first term in office. Ooh! Maybe we should do that during Extra Life. Try to get President's Choice to work and then play president-elect or first play president-elect, then play president-choice and carry the same president through and try to keep the same like, um, issues and stuff, like be consistent. This game, President's Choice is also text-based. There are images, just like in um, president-elect, that are spread throughout the game. President's Choice has like Pictures of the White House, pictures of various different places, but they're like Carmen Sandiego images, where it's just like a picture of something. But then there's primarily driven like the story is driven by plot and gameplay is driven by plot. The pictures there just so that you're not staring at just text all day. And the the main gameplay mechanic is just making choices. Those choices entail situations of domestic crisis, signing or vetoing bills, navigating the international scene, making sure that everyone loves you to continue to vote for you. You have various advisors that will help you make decisions throughout the game. They do layer a humor aspect into it to keep the game lighthearted, but the game is very much an educational game. So I would I would imagine if people were in school back in 84, they may remember playing this game in a computer lab at school. Now, President's Choice was written in UCSD Pascal, which produces machine-independent portable code. In contrast to a compiled program, this code is interpreted at runtime by a virtual machine loaded on boot, the P-System engine. Now, the full UCSD P-System 4 was a self-contained operating system and programming environment available for a number of computer platforms and designed to easily port software across systems. IBM offered it as a choice of an operating system for its original PC, but just like VHS and Betamax, it was clear forgotten as PC MS-DOS won their own popularity contest. This game, President's Choice, from my knowledge, requires a first-generation IBM-compatible machine, PC, XT, or Quinlan. It won't run on anything newer. The reason is the P system interpreter, which relies on an undocumented CPU instruction, move cs.axe or comma axe. There's some CPU instruction that needs to happen, but no one wrote it down only 8088 or 8086 processors implemented this actual instruction and later x86 cpus which everyone has a modern like a modern computers at ed- x86 isn't it or yeah they all treat this cpu instruction as invalid <laughs> so i think the only way and we'd have to play around with it is if there is a browser version of it which i doubt or some sort of um machine like virtual machine that you can pretend to be a eighty eighty eight processor to get it to boot through.
1: I can play it on archive.org. On the website? Nice. It just runs through DustBox, so DustBox might have um some updated something to get it to through. So work.
0: it might be if you get the actual PC booter five and a quarter floppy disk, you you would have to need to have a IBM compatible machine.
1: That's good news though. That means we can play it for extra life.
0: That's right. We can have our president President run.
1: And when we do the president elect, we can do real time of the vote counting. So it takes six hours. <laughs> now, moving on to the next game in our list, we have. It's not Mario is missing, it's the president is missing. So continuing on with the role of a text adventure video game, specifically regarding the office of the United States president, comes in 1988. The president is missing. Developed by Cosme Corporation and published by Celery Software for the Amiga, Atari ST, Commodore 64, and the PC. In this Game, the president is in fact missing, and the player is an independent investigator, and you have to track down where the president might have been kidnapped. Fun fact the game is a bit of a misnomer. The game is called The President Is Missing, but is in fact about the president, along with 10 other leaders of major countries, uh, meeting during a secret summit to talk about terrorism when three helicopters fly in, shoot down the security crew, drop nerve gas, and kidnap the president and 10 other leaders of various countries. So, the game may sound like the president just got lost, but that's not true. He is kidnapped, which is different than being missing. Now, if the story was about the president hiking in the Rocky Mountains, and all of a sudden we could not find him, that would be the president is missing.
0: For sure. This is the president. If there is a national global crisis going on. We
1: might not know where he is, but we can kind of have an idea. He's probably with the terrorists. That's right, we with the terrorists. <laughs> The
0: terrorists are missing, in fact. The game should be called The Terrorists Are Missing.
1: Yeah. The game itself is through a computer interface, and you are working through this interface that is called SIS. In fact, you have to log in every time you want to play the game, like you are an actual bureaucrat trying to track down the president, doing everything a bureaucrat would do. Use their computer. It is recommended to play the game off of a copy instead of the original, since the game actually secretly tracks the player's progress. And once an action is committed to it cannot be undone now the game has some various different gameplay elements there is a kind of where in the world is carmen san diego with the difference being it's about where in the world is the president not where's carmen san diego um and in this you have to send agents to either city or targets and the agents provide investigations on said locations slash targets and provide you with information the player can also have the state department investigate targets though instead of passively researching them the state department will search arrest, or send the target to an off-site location for some detailed questioning. It literally says the State Department will either arrest them or interrogate them. (laughs) Wonderful. Another part of the gameplay is there is a section for dossiers, documents, and photographs where you can do research and zoom in on photographs all to look for clues. In fact, the game comes with an audio cassette that when played in conjunction with the game can help the player get access to secret and confidential information. Finally, there is cryptographics. The player will find coded messages throughout the game and the player is tasked with figuring out the code and decoding them. On the audio cassette, there is also Morse code and there is a Morse code transcript later and the player needs to listen to the morse code to unlock secret information so some things to make note of before you decide that you want to go find a copy of the president is missing grab your walkman and get to solving this mystery for one you must wait one real time full hour to get a reply from your agents that you deploy where you must leave the game running
0: you have eight agents (laughs) so if you send out eight agents you have to stagger them in order to constantly have stuff to do but it's gonna take you it's literally you're like waiting for people to get you information
1: you can also send out cryptographics to be analyzed this will take four real hours to return a reply for the question is i'm sure everyone's asking because some people probably don't want to go out and play this game maybe they don't want to wait the four hours where is the president i mean he's missing kidnapped well here's a fun fact the game cannot be beaten within the confines of the game in order to beat this game the player needed to compile their findings together in a prosecutorial summary in accordance with an included document and mail it to the developer and the developer would respond however the developer Cosme is defunct so they're not responding anymore Everything in the game is about getting enough information to get an answer, but no one in the actual game will confess. So since there is no end to the game, no one is really able to write a correct walkthrough, since who knows? The developers will have to confirm facts about it. Till then, it's just an unsolved crime. So in the end, the president is
0: truly missing. I just love that this game came with a cassette. (laughs) like other products like a document to write up your findings yeah that you had to then mail to the people to get them to say yes you solved it or no you did not solve this correctly
1: man i'd be so disappointed after spending like i don't know on estimate i'd assume like 20 hours in this game some of it i I imagine weeks probably weeks yeah you send your letter you're like, I think it was this guy. And then you just get a response that just says, no.
0: No reimbursement for the stamp either. Now, did you enjoy President-elect, but want an early 90s spin on it? No. Well, then maybe. <laughs> well- <laughs> Listen, I didn't ask you. You just did. <laughs> I was asking our listener, who they, and I heard them while they were driving. <laughs> Or listening to us all the bathroom. Yes, Seth, tell <laughs> they were me. all shouting. Yes, we did enjoy playing President Elect moments after you just told us of this game's existence. <laughs> but now we want an early '90s spin on it. Well, Power Politics is the game for you. Developed by Software Technology and published by CinePlay Interactive Incorporated, Power Politics is a campaign simulator, uh, is a campaign simulation game released in 1992. It's also the only game that Software Technology and and CinePlay Interactive developed and published. It is decidedly, One of those Windows 3.1 type point-and-click style games with the big gray buttons and drop-down menus. If you do not know what I'm talking about, look up any Windows 3.1 game and you'll just know. Castle in the Winds, Power Politics, all these different games. It feels like you're playing... A graphical game set in Excel because it looks like somebody made the game with like visual basic which they might have made it with visual basic but it's got the same blocky buttons and drop downs that visual basic tends to have in the game you create a presidential candidate or you could use a previous presidential candidate from the past 30 years from when this game came out which is 92 so that would put you at night in the 60s as well then you can control the schedule of the candidate and the vice presidential candidate so you can say like hey on Wednesday he's going to go do this talk. What issues they should address, what type of stance they should take, how much money they should spend on advertising, what the content of the ads should be, and if they should use dirty tricks to win. I kind of really want to play these games and see if today's tactics work in a 90s game. The more support that the candidate has, the more money that comes in, and if you start slipping in the polls, you can even hire a spin doctor to just make things turn around. One of the reviews from 1994 said that the game is a good simulation of the 90s, 1992 campaign. However, you are always restricted to running in the 1992 time period, where arguably things from the past that a presidential candidate might support in the 60s really not applicable to the 1990s time period for elections so the scenario is always in the modern day for the 90s right but you could be like i'm gonna get a president who's wicked into something that was happening in like the late 40s early 50s that issue is not really that relevant for the 1992 audience (laughs) yeah but that president still wants to accomplish that issue so unlike president-elect which runs scenario modeling from different ages power politics is a little uh restricted as it were. Now, Shadow President, the next game that we're going to be talking about, is a geopolitical simulation game developed by DC True in January of 1993. The game is set in a cyberpunk alternate reality where you play as, like most of the games in this list, the president. Your job is to control aspects of the American government, such as foreign affairs, military budget, and there is no end game, but the presidency can end in a number of different ways. If your popularity is too low, you could be voted out at the end of your term. You could also be a you could also be impeached. The game is primarily text-based, but various visuals, such as maps or portraits of very scary people, will appear. There's a sequel called Cyber Judas, which was released in 1996 by DC True. The game has similar gameplay as the first game, with your main task to act as the President of the United States in a cyberpunk world. However, there are also new game modes. The main game mode is Presidential Simulator, which is your only goal is to remain in power. The second game mode is Capital. Cabinet wars, where each of your member of your cabinet will try to manipulate you into making a decision for them. The final game mode is called Cyber Judas Gambit, where one of your member of the cabinet is an outright traitor and is working directly against the player and the United States. And your job is to identify the traitor who's known as Cyber Judas. And you know it would be cool is if you were also assigned the task of being Cyber Judas, and so you need to like suss out the traitor, and you like do all this detailed information, and you realize that in fact the traitor was you and you were just on like a bender
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh i got really drunk and i stole state secrets whoopsies
0: (laughs) if the president can do it it's
1: not a crime (laughs) well when the president does it that means that it is not illegal by definition exactly Two other games that I wanted to personally talk about. I think Seth saw me putting in these notes and he was like, what are you doing? But uh, one is a game called Hello, Mr. President. Hello, Mr. President is unique, I would say. It's a South Korean exclusive DOS game developed by Open Production in 1994. In the game, you can choose to play as either Bill Clinton, Boris Yeltsin, Margaret Thatcher Francois Mitterrand, Saddam Hussein Morohiro Hosokawa Kim Yong-sam or Deng Xiaoping after you choose the character you then get to pick your schedule where you uh, choose who you're going to visit on your world tour so you pick from the different people that you didn't choose from here the game takes on a few different gameplay styles you travel to the world that you're uh, to the to the country that you're going to visit and it goes into a puzzle mode with like a board game if you do very well at the board game your character will gain staff then you will fight the world leader in a hand-to-hand combat
0: is the board game against the other world leader as well
1: yeah i think they also can gain stats
0: so i'm just wondering is like the cannon you flying off to meet this world leader you playing chess and then you getting into a fight with them
1: that's my head cannon um it sounds pretty bonkers and to be honest it is however the game is only in korean and i could not find an english translation and it's very text heavy like when you're doing the puzzle stuff i could not figure out what i was doing for the life of me i kept getting skulls sent at my bill clinton portrait and it kept giving me negative points i was playing that's your that's flying to england to go beat up thatcher
0: you should have been playing as thatcher and you should have been flying to beat up Boris.
1: <laughs> now, the uh, next game is also a game that was never translated into English. Uh, this is a game called America de Todo Senco, also known as United States Presidential Race. It's a Japanese exclusive Famicom game where you must win the 1988 United States presidential election.
0: Everyone loved the 1988 presidential election.
1: You play as a candidate who must choose either liberal or conservative or centrist positions to campaign on. Liberal views will offend the religious right. Conservative views Views offend university students and working class voters. And centrist views, well, they don't offend anyone, but they also don't make anyone happy. Your job is to work your way up to the final November election and not become bankrupt.
0: I like the wording of that because it sounds like there's multiple November elections.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, there are various hot button issues that you will need to tackle or address, such as, but not limited to, the civil rights movement, the isolation of AIDS, prohibition of nuclear tests, reduction of the defense spending, support of the government of Nicaragua, revival of Christian morality, abortion, sanctions on Iran, punishment of South Africa's apartheid regime, prohibition of commercial whaling, and enhancing Japanese defense. One interesting thing to note is that this game came out in 1988, and this was before South Africa's apartheid regime had ended, meaning this game was taking a very negative stance on on some hot button topics
0: that's probably why they didn't come to
1: america yeah it would have been impossible to localize in the game you play a six different characters all who've been cleverly renamed from real characters first you have push who is uh who is a republican candidate then you have Thatcher, who is another republican candidate then there's roberts who is uh pat robertson there's Dikakis, Zexen, who's supposed to be Jesse Jackson. And lastly, you can choose Suzuki, who is based on Noboru Takashida, then Prime Minister of Japan.
0: Amazing. I wish that Suzuki actually ran in the 1988
1: presidential election. <laughs> and your rivals include... Doll, which is supposed to be Bob Doll, Sanderson, who's just like a made up name, Rotor, and Core instead of Al Gore. The game itself was designed by Axe's Art Amusement and was actually conceived by Japanese politician Shintaro Ito, who had worked alongside a newscaster from CNN Daywatch.
0: Now, for everyone who didn't think that this episode would drag on this long to talk about the game that they only wanted to hear us talk about, the game everyone has been patiently waiting for, released in 1994 for the Mac and PC, developed by Viking Entertainment, published by Quandra Interactive, comes an adventure, simulation, alternate history video game. Reelect JFK. In the game, you play as JFK from the time of November 1963 through to Election Day of 1964, which is about 50 or so weeks. Uh, which you, as the player, play one day out of each week. Each day, JFK goes to meetings where you, as the player, must make a decision that will ultimately impact the direction and progress of the cause, uh, such as civil rights, Vietnam, or your own re-election. Your approval rating, domestically and foreign, is also tied up into these meetings. Some meetings are crisis meetings, where the entire day is completely taken over, and you must attend these crisis meetings. When you're not in meetings, you can wander the White House in first-person mode, or even head out into the field to collect clues. Now, during the sequence, the player, as JFK, pretends to be reporter Kevin Bruderman, which is clearly a great way to avoid the Secret Service, and also make you vulnerable for attacks. The game uh, will go to a game over if you die from getting assassinated, or suffer a fate worse than death, and that's to fail to secure the Democratic nomination in August. Those are the only conditions of a game over. Now, each day has eight hours of time, and the time only progresses when you take an action, such as what I did the last time I played this game, and that was I crank called everybody in the telephone book. (laughs) That was what I did.
1: You know, I'm sure JFK did that once.
0: Yeah, it was great that the options were you could just call people randomly in the telephone book and you could crank all of them. And your popularity is like your health bar, and it's constantly displayed in the interface, and they tie directly into the game making things more difficult to progress domestic or internationally depending on how popular so if you want to get something done domestically and you're popular domestically you can do it if you want to get something done internationally and you are popular internationally you can do it, or vice versa. And now, there are four plots that you must work on, and there are buttons at the bottom of the screen that will start meetings around these plots, and the first plot is Vietnam. Now, during these meetings, you'll meet with generals and chiefs of staff to discuss the important policy decisions for the Vietnam War. However, if you act on the hindsight knowledge of the Vietnam War that actually happened, uh, it's actually penalized. Uh, You'll lose a lot of approval ratings, for example, if you're just like, first thing we're gonna do is gonna withdraw from Vietnam. That's gonna cause some issues. The game essentially tries to get you into the time and place for what when the game took place. So you can't just like I guess cheat by knowing what actually happened. The next plot that you have to handle is civil rights. Uh, you as the player will meet with both the heads of the civil rights issues and attempt to get a compromise. And just like the Vietnam War, attempting to bully and push the issue through Congress will have in-game consequences on both sides. You can't rush the civil rights process because they didn't rush the civil rights process back then. The next plot is re-election. Uh, during these meetings, you'll formulate your policy, your talking points, your advertising strength, strategy, and even be given the chance to go to town hall meetings throughout the country. Uh, And you better read the newspaper for that particular city before you go off and tell the farmers you'll be bringing back auto jobs. Now. Finally, there is the, the last plot that you need to work on throughout your 50 weeks in office, and that's the assassination plot. So the game starts off with you avoiding being assassinated. For this series of meetings, they're all about you trying to figure out who attempted to take action on you, and you work with the attorney general who is your brother, Bobby Kennedy. And you work with Bobby to indict people, build a case against the would-be assassin, and work with clues and witnesses and all that. The assassin and the reason behind it are not what actually happened in real life. (laughs) So shocked. There's, uh, there's still we are the Oswald or um, all the conspiracy that goes beyond that. You also not only have to do meetings to work on your assassination plot, but you can pursue this at your leisure. So when you're not in meetings, you can go around and Crank call people trying to figure out who shot you by even hacking the CIA's email from a secret room in the White House. Or intimidate and lie to witnesses. Essentially all things that people might do to try to figure out who attempted to kill them. Ultimately, though, your goal is to get re-elected. Uh, hence the name of the game, re-elect JFK. It's not elect. JFK, he's already been elected. <laughs> so the progress down of these various meetings and these various plots, it's really about trying to build up popular opinion so that you will ultimately win the Democratic primary. Now, the game is a FMV-style game and has computer-generated locations. So if you're in a meeting, it's generally going to be in an FMV. However, investigation locations are computer-generated. You can also use a point-and-click interface to navigate through the scenes. The cool thing about this game, beyond everything that we've already explained, is that all the dialogue is spoken and all the historical people are voiced by impersonators. Here's that information about the assassination attempt you wanted from the police. This should give you a few leads for your own investigation. That was a close call you had last week. You had the family really scared. Thank God you're okay. Thanks, Bobby. Whoever did this isn't going to get away with it. Not if I can help it. We'll find him. I'm sure of it. The game had some critical success with being Macworld's RPG Game of the Year for 1995. However, it was plagued with a manufacturing error that led to many games to be broken. Broken like somewhere throughout the game will make the game unsolvable and you can't beat it. So, just like the president is missing, you can actually get screwed out with if you get uh, the wrong copy of this game with actually beating it. And the games that are manufactured that have the manufacturing defect, there's nothing that tells them apart from the games that don't have the manufacturing defect. So, good luck. Now, that's going to be our presidential episode. We'll get on to the Retro Rewind. Retro uh, Rewind! The last time it was just me and Zach, Zach had me play Spider-Man and the X-Men in Arcade's Revenge. Released for the uh, SNES in North America in 1992 and in the PAL regions in 1993 uh, and in 1993 for the PAL and North America versions in for the Sega Genesis and then 94 for the Sega Game Gear and only North America and also same year for the Game Boy in the North America and PAL regions. Now, Zach had me play the SNES copy, but my deep core memory for this game is the Sega Genesis game cover, which has Arcade in like a bow tie, looking over Spider-Man, Cyclops, Storm, and Wolverine through some sort of television screen while they apparently are dodging things, and the commercial that was on the VHS tape that Zach had, which is great. Uh, big fan of that type of nostalgia. In it, the X-Men are taken captive by Arcade, and Spider-Man has to go and rescue them. Though they end up all. Re- rescuing themselves, where Spider-Man rescues Wolverine, the Wolverine rescues Cyclops, and so on and so forth. You do end up playing as Spider-Man for a good portion of the game. The game is a solid action platformer, though it can be very difficult. Though the nostalgia factor is high for me for this game. Definitely uh, a game that I would say if you like a difficult action platformer that's Spider-Man and X-Men themed, uh, maybe check it out. But to be honest, the game is definitely more nostalgia versus quality. Next week, Zach, you can play Spy Fox in dry cereal, which just seems uncomfortable. Being in dry cereal, that is. is,
1: Will do. Seth had me play Rayman for MS-DOS. Uh, the game was developed by UB Pictures uh, in 1995 for MS-DOS, Windows, Atari, Jaguar, Sega, Saturn, and PS1. Rayman is a side-scrolling platform game where you play, as the titular Rayman, who is tasked with traveling various worlds and freeing caged creatures called Electoons. Rayman is, it's a lot of fun. I loved it. Uh, In the game, it has these beautiful colorful graphics. The sprites are nice and big. The music is a lot of fun. It's just a game that I thought gave me a lot of joy and I just really enjoyed playing it. It's also a game and a series that I think Seth and I should cover at some point. So I don't want to get too in depth with it in case we do in a future episode. Overall though, I had a blast and I think it holds up really well well if you can't get the ms-dos version uh definitely try out i'm sure the ps1 or uh you know windows version plays just as good next week seth you can play pajama sam there's no need to hide when it's dark outside nice and with that that's it for today's episode thank you everyone for listening it's been 200 episodes of classic gaming brothers and Honestly, feels like it's only been two hundred episodes. If you have any questions about today's episode or you want to tell us all about your favorite presidents, email us at classic gaming at gmail.com. We're available on Facebook, Classic Gaming Brothers, Instagram, Classic Gaming Brothers, Twitter, CG Brothers Pod, and Blue Sky, CG Brothers Pod. You can find us on all the various podcasting applications out there, be it iHeartRadio or Podbean, and uh that will do it. So thank you for listening. Seth, do you have anything that you want to contribute?
0: Don't play games like my brother.
1: And don't play games like my brother.
0: I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers.
1: That's right.